the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph podcast. I am Mike Stevens, and sitting virtually across from me is the future first female GM in NHL history and noted watcher of games, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? I am alive. I'm feeling rather grumpy today. Yeah, you're a little fired up. I'm a little fired up. My <laughs> neck hurts, so there's that. Yeah, already. That's uh, already that's a thing. There was when when this uh, right off the bat, we're getting a Batman reference here. Right when Christian Bale was was playing Batman and Batman begins, he said the thing that drove his performance was the suit was so uncomfortable and so sweaty and he was so dehydrated that he would have pounding headaches all day. And he used the pain of those headaches to fuel his performance as Batman. And I believe that that's what you're going to do today. Basically, is use, I am Batman. Exactly. Basically, you are Batman. Um, and you were going to use the, you're going to f- channel the pain of your neck into your, your anger and performance on today's podcast. I cannot yes. wait. Cannot yes, wait. That's what's going to happen. Wow. Well, a lot, a lot has happened since, since we spoke. This has been, this has been a bit of a whirlwind week. I'd say like just in terms of at least living in Toronto, it's, it's been hilarious, uh, to watch the Leafs just lay about as thorough of a beating as you can on a team. In the Oilers? Yeah, like, I mean, okay, so I have watched uh, one game since our last show. Um, Well, I watched a game and the Travis Dermott fight of the last game because Mm. I needed to, I was doing some recon on that situation. Yes, a little bit of research. Um, But yeah, that, I don't know if the first two Leaf games against Edmonton were like that, but that was an ass kicking like they handed every i remember going in i was speaking to someone and they were saying oh like the others are going to use this as like a measuring stick because mm-hmm. obviously and we'll get into the north division later oh but yeah they were using it as a measuring stick because there was a tweet that was basically like oh look the oilers are within four points and then they promptly scored one goal in three games and two of which austin matthews and freddie anderson did not even play in <laughs> They almost got shut out by th- the three different Leafs goalies. Which is hilarious. Like, like I, I wonder when that's happened. Like, if that's ever happened it's in never NHL actually happened. history. It would, it, yesterday would have been the first time in NHL history. And the reality is, it is, it is exceedingly rare that... Because no teams play three in a row, right? Like yeah, that doesn't happen. But it's also... I remember looking into this for some weird reason. But... Um, it's exceedingly rare that two different goalies on one team will shut out the exact same team back to back because teams rarely play back to back either mm-hmm. um, yeah. outside of the playoffs. It's it's very, very rare that even that happens. And the fact that the starting goaltender wasn't even involved, I find completely funny. But um, I feel I feel so bad for Frank Saravalli because on February 26th, uh, yes. he goes, 
Yeah, and I just want to read it out because I feel like it, it deserves note. But man, look, Frank, you seem like a really nice guy. He is. And Frank's awesome. Yeah, I'm really sorry that you had to you had to send this tweet. I I wish you know, I wish fu- future you could just go back in time and be like, don't send it, don't do it. But then again, that might that might shatter the time stream. That might that might mean that the leaves get blown Here's out like twelve nothing in every game. That maybe some people later on in this episode could take. Don't. Yes. Yeah, so he goes, on February 26th, poor, poor, poor Frank Cervalli. For the surging Oilers, first place within striking distance for just the second time in the Connor McDavid era. Which, right off the bat, holy shit, really? Like, that's the first time it's been within even striking distance for the second time since Connor McDavid's been on the team? That is... That's terrible. A sweep of the incoming Leafs could vault Edmonton to the top spot in the North in both points and points percent- percentage, pending the Jets. And then he goes in brackets, sends tweet ducks. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you ducked. Yeah. Because that could be lethal right there. What, what was coming at you? Well, we're gonna get into it more a bit later in how just essentially. The Oilers are, if that was the measuring stick, like the Oilers are in shambles. But you have brought up something in the prep here, very interesting, that I didn't even hear about, really. Would you like to take the lead on that, Rachel? Yeah. Um, Hit me. Let's go. We hitting headlines. Oh, yeah. We're hitting headlines. Let's do this. Okay. So in probably the only piece of positive news for the entire podcast right now, um, the Seattle Kraken are at it again. Yeah. They are at it again. And when I tell you that this is going to be the model franchise of the NHL, I, not, it's not even going to be. They already are. They have played zero games and already done more to, like, further the inclusion and philanthropic. And, and growth phil- of hockey. Philanthropic. And the other 31 teams combined. I, actually, you know what? The Leafs have done a really good job. Right. But nobody else has. But nothing close to this. Like Yeah. So. Ryan Clark of The Athletic, fantastic Mm -hmm. writer. I love his stuff. Highly recommend you just go read his entire catalog. Um, Reported today that the Seattle Kraken have partnered with Seattle University on an NBA program about sports and entertainment with the purpose of diversifying sports leadership. I'm going to read a quote from the article. Awesome. The Kraken and the Seattle Mariners are the founding partners and will be joined by the Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Sounders, and the Seattle Storm, in addition to Climate Pledge Arena and Oakview Group. They will advise Seattle University on the curriculum, plus all of the entities involved committed to providing fellowships and job opportunities upon completing the program, which will start at the end of June. Wow. I would also like to point out that Todd Lywicki, who is the CEO of, I believe, mm. the Oakview group slash, like, he's involved with the Kraken. Like, yeah, um, like the, the group that purchased, the help right. purchase the team. He, when he was the CEO of Tampa Bay Sports and Entertainment, he did the same mm. thing there. So this is a pattern for him. He did it with uh, the Lightning, the Buccaneers, um, the Rays. There's, there's a few other teams that I'm forgetting. But this is now the second city that he's doing it in. And to be able to not even just say, hey, we're going to sponsor your program, like, that's going to be cool. But, like, actually providing fellowships, actually consulting on the curriculum Mm -hmm. and providing, um, whether it's internship opportunities or job opportunities, like, that's putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, it's creating – it's not – like, everything the NHL does is performative. It's we skate for black lives and you got players, you know, liking liking Instagram posts that essentially say, you know, trans people should play sports, you know, like stuff like that, which is something that happened this week. We're not even going to touch on that. Yeah, that that was gross. But this is – 
what the Kraken have done as they literally go, hey, how can we actually like actually make change, not make change that looks good in like a presentation to the board, but like make change that like can help people. And they've done that. Remember literally, what was it like last month? They partnered with Black Girl Hockey Club and all the proceeds from. Yes. The merch that they sold from their partnership went to the scholarship fund so that little black girls could play hockey. Like, that's growing the game. They physically said, here's money to an organization that specifically focuses on growing the game in a marginalized community. Like, this is the kind of stuff that isn't performative. Like, Seattle has everything they've done has been just hit after hit after hit. And honestly, like... If you're picking an NHL organization to one be a part of and two to like work for, like that's got to be it right now. We talk like oh, 100%. We'll get into this in a bit, but like hockey is super unwelcoming for women and minorities and all that. And and the Seattle Kraken have come out and we're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're going to make it inclusive for everyone and we're going to make sure that the next generation feels like they're included as well. We're going to start right from the grassroots and we're going to go all the way up." And to me, like between that, between them trying to rescue the University of Anchorage, Alaska's hockey program, like they're hitting a lot of right notes here. And that's that that may, that is a huge, obviously, like great step for inclusion. That's also a great step for ensuring that Seattle remains a viable city for hockey moving forward, yeah. because like. You know, hockey is the most, I would say, gate kept sport out there. Like if you. Oh, it is. If you weren't born into, you know, the religion of hockey, then you're basically screwed. There's no way like like casual fans. There's no way you can get into this sport. There are a so many rules, but be like just it, it, it's so confusing and there's so many different things and it's just unappealing. It, it, it's impossible to find on your TV just straight up if you're in the States and and even then, it's all, you know, old guys who who go, oh, like the Michigan, it should be banned. Oh, you know, all this kind of whatever. But like what they're doing is essentially going to, you know, the the core groups in Seattle and going to young people and saying like, hey, here's how you can get involved. Here's how we're showing you that you're welcome here. And that makes a huge, a huge impact for someone at that age. And now they're going to they're going to help usher in like a totally new, a new uh, uh, generation of hockey fans in Seattle, which is fantastic and a diverse generation too. I think the other thing that um, is important here is Seattle's doing it as the 32nd NHL franchise. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people based on where we are in the world right now are going to look to their franchises, the other 31 and be like, okay, why aren't you doing that? Yeah. where's, Where's ours? What's going on here? So I think in terms of leadership, like, this is leadership. We see what the NHL does, and it's, like, very, mm, nope, no thank you. Yeah. And then we see what Seattle does, and everyone goes, well, why can't why can't my team do that? Why can't why can't the Leafs do that? Why can't Edmonton do that? Why can't, well, we know why Dallas can't do that. They're too busy putting out statements on the national anthem. Um, but, like, Tampa's clearly been doing it um, quietly, and it's, it's kind of one of those things where I'm hoping that Seattle doing this has sort of a trickle down effect and and other NHL teams jump on board because every city that has an NHL team has at least one university. Toronto has yeah. God knows how many they can partner with. Hey, they can partner with both of our like I went to U of T. I currently go to York, not to mention Laurentian, which is my undergrad, yeah. has the mm-hmm. only sports business program that actually offers a business degree in the entire country. So, like, 
that's just a super easy partnership. Like, it's one of those things where the avenues are there. It's just a complete lack of thought um, and sort of willingness to do this. And so I'm, I'm really happy to see that Seattle's done it. Let's talk about negative yeah. stuff. Hell yeah. All right. The, the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> it hasn't, hasn't been a banner, uh, banner couple of weeks for them. They went from the juggernaut. I like left and they just yeah, decided this is to your like, fault. light themselves on fire. Including their media, by the way. Also, I would just like to say, God bless John Liu. He is so funny. Oh, I love love John Liu. I've dude, that guy. We grew up with him. Like I remember watching John sp- Liu TSN Toronto. Or yeah, John Liu TSN Montreal. Or John Liu TSN Toronto. Like that guy, man. He he's been in the background. He's been in the background of my life. But so the yeah, this is your fault. I think it, Ian Ian was talking about causation and, and correlation when he was on all the time and. It was, it's like literally like when you left, they were the juggernaut Habs and I came back and there you have like new coaches and no goalie and things are lot, lots of things are going awry. The Habs seem to do weird things mid game, because if you recall, I believe it was what, like 2010 or something, Mike Camilleri, you know, high, high power scorer for the Montreal Canadiens was pulled off the ice in the middle of, I believe the second period of the game. And was told he was traded to the Calgary Flames. How many times do players get traded mid-game? I haven't seen it happen since. That's a very weird. I don't know why would that have happened. Why don't why like I think now you just see teams are like if they're that close to a deal, they just tell a player like you're a healthy scratch tonight. They just they just scratch him. Like I, I don't get it. So they fire the Habs- a goalie coach in the middle of a game. Now it makes sense. I under I, I totally understand why they would why they would fire the goalie coach. That, yeah. Remember last podcast when I literally said, mm, maybe it's the goalie coach. <laughs> and look, it, that doesn't come as a surprise. The Habs fired goalie coach Stefan, Stefan Waite. He was, he's been dismissed. Carey Price has been, as has been noted, very, very bad this year. He's a big reason behind Excuse the Excuse me, I was told he was good. The men on the Twitter were telling me he's good. Well, if the men on the Twitter say it, it's got to be true. Because, Rachel, you are a woman. Woman brain small. <laughs> Women brain no understand sport. Right. We don't know. Please mansplain this to me. Women brain only know shopping. Pets. Only know like, only know pets. Only know make make cooking. Yes. For man. That's okay, objectively, it. and uh, I don't. Can you attest to this? I actually am a pretty good cook. I don't think you've ever cooked something for me before. I haven't, have I? Okay, well, we'll change that. No. When. We're definitely going to change that. Well, like I remember when I was making the the night after we recorded a podcast, I made the Popeye's chicken sandwich and you text me being like, why, <laughs> why the fuck did I not stay for dinner? This is ridiculous. Like, yes, oh, that I was, was funny. very annoyed at myself. So anyway, back to the Habs. Um, they, yeah, they fired goaltender Stefan Waite, but it was revealed that he was, and I don't know why they would admit to this anyway, but it was revealed that he was fired mid game. Yeah, like, why would you? Mark, this is why would you say that? Say, stop saying things, and like Jim Benning's yeah. about to have a press conference, so I, I, mm, that's a perfect example of don't say things. But Mark Bergman did not have to say I fired him in the second period, and then go on to explain why he did that. All anyone had to know was he was let go after the game. Yeah, like what? Why admit that? Like what? I don't get it. Like admit- especially in Montreal, where there's literally media in two languages plus a tmz like why would you open yourself up to that it adds no like it does nothing for you it doesn't help you no 
like to to be like oh yeah you know this like relatively routine thing that we did that like everyone was calling us for yeah we did it in like a really weird and kind of disrespectful way and so now we're gonna open ourselves up to even more criticism for it but so now so they replaced him with sean burke now i think it's very important to note here that sean sean burke uh his past is checkered uh yes to say the least Yes. Um, specifically, Sean Burke was in 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 January of 1998 was um, court ordered to attend a uh, domestic abuse program after um, and he was sentenced to 150 days or he could have been sentenced to 150 days in jail, but he was sentenced to 18 months probation as well um, uh, because he was, uh, you know, involved in an assault against his wife. And the assault was dropped, but he was ordered by a court to attend a domestic abuse program. Right. So that's probably part of some type of plea bargain. Exactly. Um, we can like I'll say this: people can learn. Absolutely. But that you absolutely do not get your past erased, um, and so that is something that's going to follow him around, and then rightfully it, it should. Um, I know he's been like very much on the GM path, so this was like a. I had to check to make sure it was the same Sean Burke. Because, like, he's been gunning for GM positions and, like, from yeah. the people that I talk to, I know he's been in chats with with multiple teams about joining their front office. So for him to now be... Well, he's not just the goalie of, coach. Well, okay, so he's a director of goaltending. Exactly. But, like, in the same way that Scotty Clemenson is the director of goaltending and Roberto Luongo is the director of goaltending in Florida and NJ, neither one of those men are on the ice. So this is a complete title clout thing so who is on the uh, ice because sean burke is on the ice whereas like in new jersey dave rogelski's on the ice and i don't know who it is in florida but i can tell you it's not roberto luongo yeah but it's that's just he's a goalie coach like all he wanted was a fancy title it means nothing that's so weird like what that's such an ego hockey men on a power trip weird that's Mike. such an ego thing that is literally oh. like director of, again director of goaltending sounds like a made-up title like, it, it sounds like, you know, executive strategic asset manager. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, kind of like, how about how about executive director of hockey projects and management? Who Who is that? You know who that is, and I will oh, not... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know who that is. ...dare say that name on this podcast. Yeah. oh my god. But yeah, no, it just, it, it doesn't... Like, that's a made-up thing. Yeah, and I get that you want to have, like, kind of continuity between, you know, all levels of your, like, all branches of your organization. That's fantastic. But, like, it just seems weird. Like, it, like the, the Laval Rocket, like, okay, so Sean Burke is going to be on the ice, right, with Carey Price? Which makes him the goaltending coach. Exactly. But so now... The, there is a director of goaltending position, but that's not what this is. Yeah, he's just the goaltending coach. Like, if you're a director of goaltending, yeah. you're, you're like, in an office. You're not on the ice. So, it, so do the Laval Rocket have a designated goaltending coach as well? Yeah, and he's now actually up with the Habs because Sean Burke is in 14-day quarantine. Oh, yes. So now that I believe the Laval Rocket are short a goalie coach, but they both practice, I think, in the same rink, so... Or, like, relatively close. But, I mean... You couldn't have prepared for this. Like, I don't I don't know. It, it's weird. It, it is weird, too, because it's weird. Mark Bergman got like really, like really, really defensive when asked about this move, Did too. He? Oh, yeah. It's just he was very much like, you know, I have some quotes up here. We're sincerely and I'm going to be frank. I still believe Carey Price, one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. All right. Um, he talked all about how, how uh, Dominique Ducharme. Is it Ducharme? Yeah, it's Ducharme. Ducharme. OK, I kept saying Ducarme. 
when I was. Oh, I heard. Yeah, <laughs> rough, rough look for your boy. Um, but he did not come con- um, asking for a goaltending change. Uh, but he was consulted. Carey Price, on the other hand, was not consulted for this. And you know what? That makes sense. At the same time, like, don't you think a goaltender should have some say over that? Like, that's that's interesting. He's making. It's interesting because. Um... Like, should Carey Price be able to decide who gets hired and fired? No. No, no, no. But, obviously, we know goalies are voodoo. You should have a say, though. And 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 you should at least say, like, you. Sh- if I'm Mark Bergevin, and it's been made very clear that Carey Price is the most important part of this team. Yeah. Um, I think you at least have the conversation, how are things with Stefan Waite? These are the things I'm seeing. Are you guys working on it? Just to get an idea of... If there's complacency or if there's issues with the relationship, but to just not speak to your goaltenders at all, like Jake Allen's pretty respected too. Yeah. To not speak to either of them and just turf the guy, um, I can't say that that's something that happens a ton in the NHL. Other coaches, they don't really speak to the leadership, but like the goalie coaches, that's a big thing. Especially when your goal when your goalie is making ten point five million dollars until twenty twenty six and is like you know, basically the linchpin behind whether or not your team's going to be in the lottery or potentially, you know, a contender. Right. Like it's, a, it's very important. And to not even be like, to not even go down and be like, Hey, like, how are things going with Stefan? Like, is like, are things going okay? You're clearly like, there's clearly some dysfunction here. Level with me. Are things going okay with him. And then Carrie could go, uh, you know, Oh yeah, things are going great. I think we'll just bounce back, you know, whatever. Or it's, uh, like, it just seems like there should be some sort of conversation there. Weird things of foot. In Montreal, as they always are. All right. And then quickly, our last headline. Oh, boy. It's already 20 minutes in. And we haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes of yeah. this podcast. This yet. is this is a good one. And um, Dreisaitl absolutely dunking on Edmonton media. And Leon, I have a ton of respect for you, sir. I very much appreciated that clip when it came across my timeline. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Leon Dreisaitl, post-game comments. Now, what's very interesting about this, too, is McDavid didn't speak to the media after the two prior leaks. Okay, so the reason why a lot of people didn't really have an issue with what Dreisaitl said is because win or lose, play well or play poorly, he is always in front of the media. Yeah. Every game, that guy is in front of the media. McDavid ducked Whereas it. Whereas to McDavid is not. And I know Connor hates the media. I, I just, I know this. I mean, um, cool, you're the captain of a Canadian NHL yeah, team. You have so to speak to the, them. The reason people didn't, like anybody level-headed, which is zero people except maybe Ryan Rashog in Edmonton oh, uh, media. Not even him. And even then, no, no, no. Ryan Rashog is is the Al Montoya didn't speak to me pregame, so he's mentally weak. And I'm in the oh, tre- that was him. Okay, and I'm in the mind. trenches. He's no, out. it's Jonathan oh, Willis. No, yeah, he's definitely it's out. Jonathan I Willis. That was somebody else. No, Jonathan Willis okay. is the only level-headed guy, basically. Maybe that's yeah. who I was thinking of. The guy who writes for the Athletic. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so. Rob Tykowski, yes. uh, who him, Gregor, and Matheson are just kind of on the same level. We're going to get into Gregor. Um, asked him about uh, basically the team and, and not scoring, and Drysaddle said, it's not good enough. And Tykowski's response was, speaking of not good enough, what do you think of you and and, and McDavid not scoring through uh, three games and Dreisaitl basically straight face said, yeah, no, definitely love it. Like, laced in sarcasm, which you know what? If you're going to phrase that BS like that with a guy who is respectful enough to talk to you every single day when they could easily cart out Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Mm. uh, like Darnell Nurse, everything. Dreisaitl is there every day. 
right? Yeah. Which a lot of people don't know this, but the play, like certain players don't have to be made available every day. Like Morgan Riley doesn't speak every day. John Tavares doesn't speak every day. There's a rotating cast mm-hmm. of who speaks. So the fact that Drysaddle speaks every day and you want to come at him with that, don't expect anything else. It's even worse than that because like I, the way it was phrased was literally like, what do you have to say about, you know, you and Connor give it having nothing in the tank and nothing to give like it was it was like really it was a really mean-spirited pointed question like one that i don't think i would ever ask it was unprofessional honestly like the way i saw it like the way i heard it it was completely unprofessional and to be quite frank with you if somebody i have my experiences with uh soccer overseas yeah we'll say if somebody asked that type of question phrased that way I am almost 100% sure that Bayern Munich or Barca would revoke their credential on the spot. Damn. Like, that's something that could get your credential revoked. 100%. And and I know that Bayern has revoked credentials for things that have been far less than what the Edmonton media likes to do on a regular basis. Man, it's it's just, like, that was just a wild question. Like, I, I was just blown away. And and they were all, and all of the questions were like that. It was all, it was literally like McDavid and Dreisaitl sitting in front of the media and them being like, how did it feel to get your asses kicked up and down? Like, that was basically it. It was just a shellacking. And you know what? Like, to be... Com- like, ask a question that might incite a, an answer. Like, if you look at the, look at the questions, the way I look at it, look at the questions that the Winnipeg media asks Paul Maurice and look at how Paul Maurice answers those questions. Insightful, polite. It's almost like he's teaching the game. Like you get good answers out of him. And even guys like Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor give thoughtful answers because they get asked thoughtful questions by guys like Murat. And, um, I'm trying to think of other Edmonton media. There's a guy at, at um, Murat and, used to be and Murat. the TSN guy oh. out there, Ken Weeb. Yeah. He's on, he's, he's from Sportsnet now or he's with Sportsnet now. Yeah. Like they get asked thoughtful questions and guess what? Thoughtful questions usually get thoughtful answers. Mm-hmm. Stupid questions get stupid answers in the same way play stupid games win stupid prizes or talk shit get hit that's that's my that's my motto all right let's hit plot points real quick let's do it so trending up i love that that is the sound of another sale on shopify the all-in-one commerce platform to start run and grow your business shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business, and it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo! tungsten w-o-o exclamation mark because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass and it was a no-brainer to do this on shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments in fact if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on shopify go to wootungsten.com and you can see and it's No wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. 
It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash blue wire, all lowercase for a free 14 day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash blue wire right now. That's shopify.com slash blue wire. As always, I think this is an eternal trending up arguments on Twitter, but there's been a lot. There's been a lot of discourse, hashtag discourse. There's, what was the PDO argument the other day? I saw like Jack Fraser, okay. who's Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter, and I love Jack. Jack is so funny. Oh, he's he's uh, he's awesome. But I'm like, why are we arguing about PDO in the year 2021? Like, please stop. So basically what happened was everyone was talking about the um, about the Habs and how they came down and they were on... They were on a PDO bender that oh, came sort down. sort of like I said they were? Exactly. And the Evolving Wild Twins came out and were essentially like, yeah, PDO is like made up or whatever. Like everyone's talking about PDO, but it's like a made up stat that doesn't really like show that much. And which kind of took me, took me aback. You know what? I think they do great work, but like. Yeah, I would say that they're wrong. But like, uh, holy shit, guys, like some, like the bad takes are piling up. And I'm, I'm starting to be like, but I do love them both. Like they've been so helpful for yeah, me. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I think they do great work, but it's like, guys, like maybe pump the brakes. Anyway. So that happened, and then it just incited, you know, a, a, a debate that it's, it's basically done now because everything on Twitter, ha- like, explodes in, like, a one- to two-day echo chamber, and then it just dies. Um, Got it. And then what's the, the battle that's still raging on now, and this is literally only because the Leafs are good, only because the Leafs are good, is, is the, Nor- the North Division like, is, is weak, and the, Le- the only reason why the Leafs are up there is because they're just beating up on inferior opponents when— Literally earlier this season, like literally in January, mere weeks ago, Rachel, five weeks ago, less than that, less than that before my like literally I was hitting my birthday even like three weeks ago, maybe two, two to three weeks ago. The Habs were a juggernaut because they were because they were second in that division preseason. Every in every person who was pulled said the North Division is the strongest because there are so many teams that could that could land on top. But now that the Leafs are far and away the best team in that division, and I mean far and away, like they are so far ahead of the pack right now, both from points and just from the sense that they show up every night. Now it's oh well, we have to do all this revisionist history and oh are the Leafs at Dom? What I love too, and this just goes to show, and it'll, it'll tie into our deep dive. Dom Lecision writes a you know a very eloquent, um, fantastic piece uh, with statistical bait. Like I would just like to say that everything Dom writes, oh, is yes, absolutely fantastic. Yes. I want to. Sorry, I should make that my King Dom. My apologies, Dom. But he writes this really nuanced, like awesome piece with a ton of statistical background. That's essentially like, hey, the Leafs aren't just like beating up on a bunch of. You know, they aren't just Billy Madison throwing dodgeballs at a bunch of fourth graders. This is like they're act. They have a very strong schedule. And they are still, you know, they're still far and away the best team in their division. And then Joe Haggerty, on the other hand, writes a column that's essentially like, are the Leafs at least beating up on kids? Yeah, you know, my gut tells me, yeah. And I'm like, this Joe is this is the Haggerty divide right here. is one of the worst hockey writers yeah. in the sport, and <laughs> I do not say that lightly. But that, that's, that, like, literally, 
writing about the same thing. One is, you know, statistical basis that is eloquently written, that's nuanced, that 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 takes, you know, uh, 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 merit from both sides of the argument and then kind of breaks it down. And then it's just a hockey man going, yeah, my gut tells me that I'm right and you're wrong. So here we go. Okay, so here's an interesting little tidbit for you. Hit me. So people are saying that the North Division's weak because they have Ottawa and Vancouver. Ottawa has beaten Toronto. Yeah. And Ottawa has beaten Montreal, like, I think three times now or four times. So, like, I get it, they, but okay, uh, the, what is it, the East Division or the Central Division has Nashville and Detroit, mm-hmm. and Detroit is probably the worst team in the league, so kick rocks. Yep. Um, the East has Buffalo and New Jersey. And New Jersey sucks. And I don't know if everyone forgot, but Buffalo is a literal fire right now. Literally go watch um, our last Then we have podcast. Chicago, who's surprisingly good. So here I here I have a great tweet. It's from Terry Koshan, who, who you know, I honestly, he's a really nice guy. Love him. And he tweet, it was a great tweet. He goes, Leafs beat the Oilers 6-1 to further solidify their place atop the NHL standings. Toronto has managed to get to first overall and stay there without the benefit of playing eight of the NHL's 10 worst teams, including the Rangers, San Jose, Dallas, Nashville, New Jersey, Anaheim, Buffalo, and Detroit. So the Leafs have managed to beat, to stay atop the division and beat all those teams without playing eight of the NHL's 10 worst teams. Exactly. So like to me, every division has their weak teams. And so to say that like oh the north division's weak and the leafs don't count like listen if the leafs make it out of the division and get promptly like swept in the conference mm-hmm. finals then like by all means we can have this conversation but do you know how insufferable leaf fans are going to be if the leafs make the cup final this year and beat a team from another division like we are like this city and i say we because you and i both live in this city yep. this city's fans are going to be insufferable in people's Twitter mentions. And you know what? They deserve to be. I hope, I hope this is the year that the Leafs beat Boston because Joe Haggerty and Jack (laughs) Edwards mentions are going to be a mess. And I want it. I, you know, I try and be relatively impartial. Like, you know, you know, to try to be a, a, a journalist, dude, if the Leafs make the cup final, I'm swinging my dick around on Twitter. Like nobody's business. I am going to be the most, I'm going to be the most annoying person in your, in, on your timeline, so just get ready. All right, trending down as well. Ryan Murray's ice time. What's going on there? Yeah, he's been a healthy scratch the last three games. What? Um, I feel like I'm maybe uniquely qualified to comment on this, but um, <laughs> no. New Jersey's decor is not good. How, what would you know about New Jersey or player evaluation, Rachel? I, I, this, these are, this is outside of your, again, what did I say? Women brain good for... Shopping, cooking, and cooking, and that's it. Um, <laughs> What's going on here? Sitting, Ryan Murray. So I would just like to say this: Ty Smith and David Severson are playing really well. They and are. I'm really happy about that because I love both of them. I wish you could see Rachel's face talking about that. That's the most giddy I think I've ever seen her. I, I'm sorry, but like I, after all of the crap, yeah, I am so happy that David Severson is very much making his way into the elite defenseman category. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of them, I don't know what is going on, but like P.K. Subban, been terrible. Ryan Murray has been less terrible than the four of the other defensemen, and he's the one sitting. 
they acquired him to play on their top pair. So I'm not really sure what Lindy Ruff is doing. Nobody really knows what Lindy Ruff is doing. It's very odd. Man, what a shock. Lindy Ruff is is having outdated and, you know, like just stagnant hockey views. Like who could have seen this coming? You had had a pick of a litter of, you know, intriguing, you know, young up and coming candidates. And you chose a guy who's been in the game since friggin' my grandpa was, you know, just hitting puberty. Like, come on. Yep. So we'll see what happens. I wonder um, where that goes, because he's clearly a defenseman that should be playing. Yeah. He's good. He's a good player. What's going on here? Like, I, 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 yeah. I'm not going to pretend to say I watch a lot of New Jersey Devils hockey, so I don't know. I watch almost none of it. Yeah, as you probably should. Um, but I watch enough because I watch Damon Ty, and now that Nico's, well, Nico's injured again, Nico. So, our last plot point, trending up, and I think this is, again, another another eternal um trending up or eternal plot point Connor McDavid's sheer anger his body language and I don't want to be you know the body language scientist or whatever but just like yeah, both him and Dreisaitl's body yeah. language have been bad. like he is not happy at all like tan- like tangibly look at the look at the broadcast you can see it he is pissed now I, I don't want to sound like you know a hot take artist or whatever but man is there a, like how long is he for Edmonton like there's no you you are an athlete you are an elite level athlete you only have so many years to be at the top of your game. And listen, like I know we're in COVID, but like you you have a lot of sway here. Like you you can you can do this and you want to win. You are geared to win. You're the guy who who you know shut like shoot away surgery to fix like a torn PCL and rehabbed it back to life in like half the time a normal human body would. Like I, I tweaked my knee in the summer and I still can't fucking run. Like it's, it's crazy. How long is Connor McDavid going to put up with this? Because new GM, new coaching staff, everything, nothing is different. Nothing. Um, okay. I'm going to preface this by saying that this information is not from me. Okay. I have spoken to a few people who are intimately familiar with Ooh. The situation and Connor McDavid and his feelings on what's happening in Edmonton. Intimate. In fact, I speak with these people on a regular basis because we're friends. Okay. He is not happy right now. Of course. Um, he told Ken Holland when Ken Holland was hired that they basically had this conversation and it was, you have two years mm-hmm. to, to get it together. The problem is, is that Peter Shirelli was allowed to sign all manner of stupid contracts. Yep. And Ken Holland's hands, from that perspective, are a little bit tied. I actually have really liked the lower-end contracts that Ken Holland has signed. Like, I think the Kyle Tourist shot was a good one. I think getting Jesse Puglia Yarvi back was yep. a fantastic feather in the cap. I don't know how he pulled that off, but he did it. Yeah, Um. I, they're without Oscar Clefbaum right now because he's injured long-term, mm-hmm. and I think that... They would be a little bit more stable on the back end if they had him. But at the end of the day, like, I don't think we're in Jack Eichel territory, not by a long shot. But there's going to come a point where if the Oilers are capped out and McDavid still doesn't have any success, despite how insanely good him and Dreisaitl are, like, there's going to come a time where it's going to be that's it. Like, there's not, where do they go? We just saw, we just saw them in their you know, measure like measuring. Now, stick. I will say this: both, like McDavid's improved defensively this year a little bit, but he's still ass. He's at good it. enough that he needs to be elite on both sides of the puck the way that Crosby is. Yeah, like 
it's just not acceptable to only play at one end of the ice. And so I think a little bit is on him, and I think a little, a lot of it is on the people around him. He's good enough that he should, like, that, that, that description lends to also Austin Matthews. Like, Austin Matthews has improved leaps and bounds in his defensive Austin game. Austin Matthews will get Selkie votes this exactly. year. Exactly. Connor McDavid, like, I, I love that he's, you know, he, he is the best offensive player I think I've ever seen. Just straight up. Like, he, like the way he can skate, make moves while in, like, while in transition. Like, it's, it should be one thing to, to skate, you know, in a, in a straight line really fast. Elian McKay, I've just beat him in a, in a foot race last night. We mm-hmm. saw fantastic and that gave you know Leafs fans another bit of ammunition to fire at the Oilers but what McDavid can do is like he can be skating at 100% full speed and you know change directions on a dime it's incredible and but at the end of the day you have to be able to impact if you're the captain and you're going to be a superstar you got to impact both sides of the ice and yeah there's only but at the end of like this is not on him I want to make this very clear the Oilers sucking like this right now. It is not on Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, they're the they're the main guys at the head of the ship and and everything. But like, if anybody else would like to participate, that'd be fantastic. They have like a goaltender. Do you want to participate or what's happening? Chris Russell's in their top four, like current day Chris Russell. It was it was a. There are <laughs> there are probably. Four or five better defensemen playing for the New Jersey Devils right now than Chris Russell. Like, there's what? Maybe two defensemen on the Oilers who can crack the Leafs top six, maybe? Well, Darnell Nurse for sure. Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear, maybe? Yeah, I would say Ethan Bear. So, yeah. Um, when healthy, most certainly Oh, of Austin course. Austin, but he's not on the ice right now. Right. And him and him being long, gone, like him being injured for that long, like, the, the Oilers forced him to keep playing. Or not forced him, but, like, they... They let him keep playing and damaging that shoulder. Like it's remarkable. All right, now bef- before we before we jump into our deep dive, let's have a quick little word Rooney from our sponsor. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast right here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As of Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for your initial setup anyway. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance of the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. All right. We're talking, you know what? I feel like the theme of this, of, of this show is being, you know, eternal, e- eternal trends, you know, eternal plot points, whatever. This has been a banner year. I'm going to clump this in as a, a year because I feel like all of this dates back to, you know, the start of, I don't know, banner like two months. I have not, like, I don't know if it's just people going crazy in quarantine or, you know, just the news cycle being so volatile that people have to say the craziest stuff imaginable to get any eyes on their stuff. But when it comes to terrible journalism in sports, in hockey specifically, in hockey specifically, this might take the cake as the worst, like February, like I would say January, February, and now it's March 4th recording this. So these three months has been the worst stretch I've seen in a very long time. Like it's, it honestly, 
it seems like every day there's somebody doing something just completely ridiculous. Like, to me, so, like, obviously not a secret on this podcast now that I haven't watched hockey in a couple weeks, although I will say I did watch one game uh, since we last recorded. Um, and yet I, I'm clearly on Twitter a lot yeah. less um, the past couple weeks. But why is it that every time I've opened the Twitter app on my phone, someone is making a complete ass of themselves in hockey? Like, I opened... Let me tell you, over the last few days, I opened it, the Habs were firing their goalie coach. Yeah. Okay, closed it. Opened it again, Jack Todd being a very, very silly goose. Um, closed it, opened it again, Jamie Benn being transphobic. Yep. Okay, closed it, opened it again. Jason Greger being a misogynist. Like, it's just, it's insane. So you have, you have personal ties to, to, to Jason Greger. Let's, let's save that for, for a little bit, because I want to talk about, there are three, we are get like, this is a weird era too of like redemption pieces. And we don't need to like, we will mention one yes. of them, but the one piece is about a player that's dead to us. So we will mention exactly. that. So there's a Larry Brooks redemption piece that is literally just like, there's a, a lot of people coming out and saying, you know, uh, people were equating the Pierre Lebrun redemption or not redemption, but the Pierre Lebrun piece on Mike Babcock in the athletic a little while ago and the Larry Brooks column on TDA. Yeah. Those things are not the same. They're not the same. Larry, uh, Pierre Lebrun was literally just like, here's the mic, Mike Babcock, say what you want. You can either help yourself or hurt yourself. And decidedly he has hurt himself might out, out of the job. Yeah. Larry Brooks, on the other hand, it's a column. It's an, it's, it's an opinion. He left, he let an opinion out there. So it, it, it's different. One that really got me and honestly made me really sad was Craig Morgan. Yeah. You know what? That really um, bummed me I, out. I read the Craig Morgan piece. Um, I didn't. I didn't want to give him clicks. I didn't need to read it. I, well, okay, so I read it because I thought, I, I, I've known Craig, mm -hmm. I've interacted with him a few times um, when he's traveled to New Jersey. I, I actually have a lot of respect for yeah, me too. The, the work Craig does. So I clicked it because I was like, I wonder if... Like, are people misreading this? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, like, I wonder if people are mistaking this. And I think... In reading it, I think he went into it with a genuine mm -hmm. purpose of, like, trying to say, okay, like, what he did was completely not acceptable. And he did make that point in the article. But I think that giving Miller yeah. the platform yeah. at all was not a good idea. I understand where he was coming from, but I just, I don't think that that needed to happen. Mitchell Miller is not going to play in the NHL, so it's completely mm -hmm. not relevant probably not playing in the AHL. Like, he's going to end up in the KHL more than likely or somewhere in Europe that accepts that type of behavior. And so for me, I just... While I understand what Craig was trying to do, I I don't think that in this case, Mitchell Miller deserves... Not everyone that. deserves a redemption piece. There's certain people who have done... Who do things that don't qualify them for the redemption. If they want to redeem themselves, fantastic. But they don't, they've lost their privilege to be in the public eye to do it. And what's what bought? I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't yeah, like it. It made me um, sad. Be which sucks because I, yeah. I do have respect for Craig um, as a writer, and I just think that while it might have been well intentioned on his part, it just was not necessary, and it was about somebody that 
doesn't deserve the platform. Exactly. That's 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 why I, I, I said it made and me you sad. you know what? Like, I think it's important to point out, like, you and I are very much about yeah, second absolutely. chances. But you have to earn oh, yeah. that second chance. And, you have and to earn Mitch it. Miller and, didn't. and Anthony D'Angelo has had way too many chances. He's past second chance territory. Mitchell Miller, if he wants a second chance, he's got to earn it. And he, right now, has done nothing to do that. So until he actually does something to earn it, I don't want to hear about him. Exactly. I don't want to hear his name. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear from his family members who are dis- who are trying to like. No, definitely it's not. One th- like you're peddling <laughs> again. You're peddling this redemptive arc while completely ignoring that li- we have documented tweets of his family members trying to turn the turn the entire situation, saying that Miller was the victim and that the actual real victim, again, a <laughs> black disabled kid, was the perpetrator. Like, like. That disqualifies you right away. I can under I understand the thought process of being like, hey, you know, like this kid, he was 14 when this went down at the time. He's 18 now. He's been through a lot, whatever. Like, let's try it. Let, let's let's see where he's at. But you can't give him the platform to be like, yeah, I've changed and this, that, whatever. When like you have when you have a, a digital trail of his sister being like, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, he like it was actually the yeah. victim who was the who was the you know the the aggressor here, and you know blah blah blah. F- uh, I stand with with Mitchell, like because then you have to extrapolate that to being like, oh well, they, like that's the conversations that are going on in the house. That's the conver- when when they're sitting at the dinner table and they're talking, yeah. and they're breaking down the stress of the day. That's what they're thinking of. Okay, so what about Jack, <laughs> Jack Todd? Todd? So we've covered we've covered Larry yeah. Brooks, who I mean, it's the Mount Rushmore right now. Uh, he's not like no. Stop. He writes for the New York Post, which is objectively not a good publication. It's a, ta- it's a tabloid. Yeah. It, yes. Well, do tell about Jack Todd, because this man also has a history of being a complete misogynistic psychopath. So it's I, I just don't get it. Like for no. <laughs> also, if you just look at his Twitter oh, yeah. avatar, like Kat Silverman, who we had on this podcast, a while back to talk about goalies. She's got names. Billy Sunglasses yeah. Selfie. Um, lots of Bobby, numbers. Bobby, lots of yeah. numbers. Um, there is, what is it, Tommy Fish yep. photo. Like, and, and, of course, Jack Todd fits into one of those categories. Like, of course it's, he does. I, what I, what I want to know is there, might, is there a correlation between, like, COVID layoffs and they're essentially not being editors that oversee this? Because there have been so many, so many of these pieces that have come out where I wonder, like, how did an editor okay this? Because an editor had to look at this, approve it, approve the pitch, then then edit it themselves, then essentially publish it, then then get a headline commissioned, right. and then publish it. How during that step, during during any of those steps during that process, did they not step in and go, "This is a little, this is wild," because Jack, because J- because we need to uphold the patriarchy, because the Jack Todd, like. That's literally yeah, he, why. Like they don't. He's care. writing. He's writing about. It, it boggles my mind because he's read. He this is this is right here. Like the definition of journalism that should get you fired. Like re, like straight up. This is this is not journalism. This is. If if Peter Mansbridge, when he was hosting the National, which to everyone who doesn't live in Canada, um, it would be the equivalent of like, well, we don't have like. Fox and CNN. It would be like if the head of the news at the BBC, like if if they 
went on air and said something and used a quote from four years ago and made it look like it was a current quote, the backlash would be enormous. Like, you can't do that in other facets no. of... I have a story that actually equates this great. So when I was when I was 16, I was applying for... Um, like leader, the leadership and training program at the summer camp that I went to. And it's a, and oh my God. That's I know. So I'm just, cute. I was like, you know, I was trying to be an, I was trying to be a leader. That makes you hashtag. Exactly. Leader. Um, yeah, it was, it was not a great experience because I got no support and didn't sleep for a month, but whatever, we're not going to get into that. It was, it was okay. the actual being around people was great anyway. And you had to go through like interviews and stuff because you're going to be like, because a, even to get accepted to the program, like you're going to be around kids eventually. Like you have to, like they have to know that you're not like a psychopath. Right. So I went through the interview, you know, I was a polite young boy. And then at the end of the interview, the person who was interviewing me pulls out printed out Facebook statuses, like from my Facebook profile, like screen print out screenshots. I mean, like, can you explain these? And it was like Facebook statuses that I, and keep in mind, these are ones that even at the time I had made when I was like 12. And that's, this is the time when Facebook was like, whatever. And one of them, and they were all about hockey mainly. But one of them, out of context, looked pretty ridiculous because it was literally, and this was during the World Juniors, where I literally just put my Facebook status as, fuck Russia, because Russia beat Canada in like a World Juniors. So I was like, do you, so like, have do you hate Michael. Russians? Like, what's going on here? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I want to explain it. But what Jack Todd did here is essentially, I got into the program, by the way. She didn't hold that against me. Thank, thank goodness. But um, what Jack Todd is doing here is literally like, it's let's say I'm a celebrity at this point now and they're going and he was and he's going, yeah, you know, the week kind of sucked, but it's not as bad as Mike Stevens, who lashed out in a tirade against Russians by saying, fuck Russia. And then and then someone on Twitter points out, hey, man, uh, he tweeted that in 2013 uh, when he was when yeah. he was like 13 years old like that. It's different. Um, that's what Jack Todd did here. Like. He for it's just irresponsible. No, but it's it, like you're supposed a journalist is supposed to be impartial, and I know he's a columnist, so he's not a journalist. But like, oh yeah, no, definitely not. That would be like saying Steve Simmons exactly. is a journalist when he. But is this is not. Uh, this is manu like this is slander. Like you could, yeah. like if if Austin Matthews wanted to, he could sue Jack and win. So, me thinks that. Jack Todd one day is going to need a quote from somebody in the Wasserman stable, mm -hmm. of which Austin Matthews is represented by, and a lot of Montreal Canadiens are too. Me thinks he's going to need a statement from an agent at some point, and this may or may not come up, because I know how agents work, and uh, they don't forget these things. It like, I guarantee you Judd Moldover, who represents Matthews, Knows about it was a this. hit piece against him. He literally, like it, the the quote is ended as yeah. great hockey player Matthews. Human, not so much. Okay, well, you know what? He was involved in an incident, which obviously people who are great humans aren't involved in. So use that then as as like yeah. Don't use a quote from years ago. That is ridiculous. Like you know what? If you want to use a quote from years ago, say it's from years ago. It's important to include the context, but to use a quote. And then present it as if it's a current yeah. thing it is not acceptable. That that's like, like you should be what fired. You said it's it's essentially taking it's, it's manufacturing people. An, it's fiction. It's, yeah, it's manufacturing a narrative, which is something that the Edmonton media has been good at for decades. Yeah, but I can't like I can't just take something that I can't 
just take something that you that you tweeted from years ago. Like if you tweeted, I don't know, I like cupcakes like in 2015. I can't be like I can't be writing a piece and being like, you know, when there was a let's say there was a, you know, a cupcake massacre that happened this week and cupcakes are vilified. I can't be like and Rachel Dory comes out in support of cupcakes. See, there's a tweet that she says. Well, OK, so this actually happened to me. Um, you got when Don Cherry oh, got yeah. fired. I was going to say you got caught up in the cupcake massacre, but people went through oh, my yeah, likes that. on fucking ridiculous and pulled something out from 2015 fucking ridiculous i i know who who did like, that and i remember are that. you nuts i was literally in college yeah that's a great that's Chill. actually a great segue into uh <laughs> into what we're gonna what we're gonna end off this this crazy deep dive with rachel I, you know what i'm just gonna let you take the lead what happened here okay so our man let's preface this by saying uh the edmonton media yeah. is a mess okay they are routinely the chapter of media that everyone goes, they're yeah. insane. And with good mm-hmm. reason, okay? Jason Greger decided in his infinite wisdom last night to tweet, Archibald keeps asking him and Dermot won't go. S-O-F-T. Soft. Um, Which spells soft for those of you who I don't can't, know. I can't spell, so I just wanted to make sure that it was... Um, okay, and the game that I mentioned that I watched happened to be that one. But what I also did was I went back and watched what happened to the game before because I wanted the context so that I could yell about this. They fought, Archibald and Dermot fought at the end of the second game in the Edmonton series. Our man Jason likes to call it a wrestling match, and we'll get to that in a second. They received fighting majors. It was a fight. Thank you for coming. They dropped the gloves. It's very, it's cut and dry. Very easy. Um... And then Dur- Dermot golf clapped him on Remarkable. the bench, which is so And Nylander funny. was uh, stip- stick-tapping the bench, too, as he was skating by. It was it great. It was hilarious. Um, and then in the third game against Edmonton, Archibald was bothering Dermot to go. At this yeah. point, your team hasn't scored in almost a yeah. week. Has been outscored, I believe, like... 13 to 1 in, in total. Yeah, like, you're getting rinsed, and... There is, if if Dermot would have taken that fight against a fourth line below replacement level player, taken himself off the ice when the Leafs have a back-to-back, that would be idiotic. Yeah. So no, Dermot not fighting was smart on his part, and you don't need to fight to show your toughness, which brings me to this. Jason Greger is noted, like, he's known for three things. What's he known for? Saying guys should fight. Mm-hmm taking shots at the Leafs, and complaining about women in sports. We had all three of those things today. So I'm going to read you the thread. Hit me. Let's go. Because this is a lot of fun. Let's go. So he tweets what he tweeted, and I tweet, it says a lot about Oilers media that this wasn't even the most ridiculous thing an Oilers media member did last night. I was obviously alluding to the Rob Tykoski Dreisaitl thing because that was obscenely stupid. Yeah. Not to mention, why would Dermot take the fight? They fought once. The Leafs had shut out the Oilers two straight games, taking your team down to 5D for five minutes so a below-replacement player can show grit and compete would have been idiotic on Dermot's part. Makes sense. Okay, fine. Jason decides he Uh needs to say some things. Jason's got an opinion, and you're going to hear it whether you like it or not. Jason replies, Rachel, 
Feel free to know the entire context before making incorrect statements. They never fought. It was a wrestling match. After, from his bench, Dermot was yelling, first shift, next game. Well, on the first shift, he didn't. It's easy to talk, much harder to actually back it up. Simple. Okay, do you know that people say things in the heat of the moment and everyone knows they're not being serious? That happens sometimes? Okay. So then I reply, <sighs> Jason, I do know the context. I work in hockey. Fighting is archaic and there was zero merit to Dermot fighting. The Oilers are reeling and looking for a spark. Dermot refusing a meaningless fight that wouldn't impact the outcome of the game doesn't make him soft. See, totally... That is a reasonable... Com- you didn't attack him. You didn't do anything. It was just a normal, you know, response. And then he decided he was going to tweet at me again, which oh I just realized. Uh, well, that's not a word, so we'll just pretend he... We'll say he misspelled that. He acted tough from the safety of his bench at the end of the second game and said he'd fight first shift next game. When first shift came and Archibald asked, Dermot suddenly wasn't as willing. No one has to fight, but then don't act tough and say you will and then don't. To me, that is soft. Did he say he was going to fight? I would also like to point out that um, the definition of wrestle, I have also pulled that up. Can I read it to you? Oh, absolutely. You're going dictionary on his ass. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he said it wasn't a fight. It was a wrestling match. The dictionary definition of red, uh, wrestle as per Merriam-Webster. First thing, it's a verb. Wrestle is a verb. Mm-hmm. Take part in a fight either as a sport or in earnest that involves grappling with one's opponent and trying to throw or force them to the ground. The fourth word in that, or yeah. fifth word in that definition is fight. Can you read that again? Take part in a fight. Stop right there. Hmm. He's wrong. Stop right okay. there. Okay. Yeah. Then we have this. This is where we're going to get into, first of all, I just love that Jason Greger told me to watch the games. Yeah. That is extremely funny. That is the dumb, uh, like... How stupid do you have to be? To... Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe he should have been educated on the situation. So then our friend Sam from the broadcast, who we love, goes, it's so weird how the guy who assumed women aren't interested in sports would also assume Rachel Dory didn't know the entire context in the most condescending way possible, which leads us to Jason Greger's history of yeah women in sports. Because the screenshot, she... So perfectly included. Jesus Christ. This was is... a reply to Sean Fitzgerald, writer for The Athletic. Sean Fitzgerald wrote a noted amazing person entitled, Why Do So Few M- Women Work in Sports Radio? And it was a good article. It pointed out some flaws in the sports media landscape. And it's a very legitimate question. Like, right. name off the top of my head, like right now, five women that work in, in sports radio. I, I can't. Right. I can name Andy Petrillo. I, one of them I had off the top of my head, and then I realized, oh, she was laid off. Oh, yeah. I'd actually docking off the top of my head and then I realized, oh, she was laid off. Okay, so then Jason Greger replies to Sean Fitzgerald with likely same reason so few men work in elementary schools. Not many are interested in doing it. I hired two women on my show. Could never get another to even apply after they left. Okay, so that's telling on yourself. Um, so then Alice and Lucan called him out for that. Okay. Yeah. As you should. That's there's so many things wrong with that that I want to unpack in a second. Um, and Allison goes so weird that he immediately lashes out every single time. Um, his response to Allison in October when she tweeted at him for that garbage tweet was mm-hmm. so bad that he had to remove it. Like it, the tweet is gone because he had to remove it because it was that bad. Then, if we want to go further. 
Hannah Stewart, who is a scout um, and does a lot of work in uh, junior hockey, five years ago said that they should ban fighting from junior hockey, which they should. We should not have 16-year-olds bare-knuckle fighting. And Jason Greger, because of course it was about hockey fighting, had to insert himself and say all manner of condescending, rude things to Hannah. And lo and behold, here we are again. And he sent like his group of croonies after her, after both of them, actually, to be quite frank with you. Um, And I just, I would just like to point out that um, Jason Greger routinely engages with people on Twitter. And when he engages with men, whether they're fans or what have you, like, it's a much different tone. But then he engages with other members of the media or people who have worked in hockey like myself and if we're women, immediately it's very condescending. And I don't know that I would be admitting that you can't get any women to apply to work on your show. Because I think that might say more about the environment, the work environment you create, than anything else. You know what really boggles my mind, too, is, is he goes, it's the same reason why men won't apply for elementary schools. What's he insinuating there? Uh, like, yeah, my cousin is calculus teacher and he loves first of all i would say that some of the best teachers i've had were men the best professor i've ever had was a man you know what he's doing is he's like insinuating that men don't want to apply to elementary schools because they don't want to be like they don't want to open themselves up to accusations about like misconduct with kids like that's what he's saying there god i didn't even think of that that's so bad like at least that's that's how i Or just saying that like being a teacher is a or a like not a job. Exactly. Which like is misogynistic. Which is Thank completely you. like I would say some of the best teachers I've ever had have been have been women, if not all the best. Like my the best professor I ever had was a man, but yeah. I would say like teacher wise, like I love I always thought that uh, my female teachers uh were a little bit more relatable. Um mm-hmm. and they were a little bit more co- like conscious of their students' feelings and and health and it just wasn't as cold. Um, but to be honest, like, why is it that Jason Greger, whenever it comes to women, always gets very, very, he gets his back up very quickly. Here's the thing. And here's my, here, here's the male perspective of it I can give you. Um, men are like pretty much everything that fuels that, that like the fuel behind pretty much all of this, what men do is insecurity. You, you post, you know, you draw, you get a flashy car and fucking rev it down, down the street. It's to oh, compen- Remember buddy who tried to race me? Yes, exactly. You're, you're like, compensating for something. It's, it's <laughs> like mo- the re- what it's all kind of humans are inherently, you know, self-centered, but with men, it's, you know, you got to be the top dog or whatever. So, so your reactions to most things are centered in what you think of yourself. And then you kind of react to try and bring yourself back up. Jason Greger is clearly threatened by women. He's threatened by powerful women. There are guys out there that just straight up don't like the guys just straight up don't like powerful women. They're, they're scared by them. They, they've been, they've been surrounded by powerful men their whole lives and they can't, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they're surrounded by powerful men their whole lives. And now that women are actually getting an opportunity to, to contribute and show that, you know, they're just as capable, if not more capable than men, it's, you know, it's scary to them. Yeah. And like, I think honestly, like, man, oh, man, it doesn't always have to be 
it shouldn't be about gender. Like, why is it that he cares so much? Like, if I was just a faceless egg account... He wouldn't treat you this way. I'd probably get a different reaction. And you know what's super interesting is I was... Once this happened, a couple male media members saw it. And I happened to be texting back and forth with them. Mm. Um, and I I kind of mentioned... I mentioned to two of them, like... We've had multiple hockey conversations, and they're men, and I'm me, so, like, it's the same person in the situation here. Mm. Um, that should be the title of your autobiography, by the way. They're men, and I'm me. The Rachel Dory They're story. men, and I'm me. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes we disagree on things. And never once with these two particular individuals that I speak with on a regular basis, we can have disagreements, and we talk it out, and I see their point, they see mine, and it's about learning. Never once... And there have been a lot of conversations over the past few years with these two particular gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, never once have I been made to feel less. Never once were they condescending. Never once did I feel like they were speaking down to me. Like, none of that. And all of that is is capable of happening. You just have to be open to ideas and open to the fact that, yeah, maybe there is a woman who, who knows about hockey or whatever the case may be, or a person of color that knows more about hockey than you do. Like, it's it's... It's insane to me that you can't just have a conversation. Everything has to be so volatile just because some someone's different. That's what we call othering. Yeah. And when we say hockey's unwelcoming, that's exactly why. Imagine if the person in that situation wasn't me. Imagine if it was like a fan who was, let's say, like they're a prominent fan, but let's say that they're not as confident in their mm-hmm. hockey opinions as me right? Imagine how they would feel. Like, they would be so turned off by they that. They would never want to watch hockey again. I had to explain this, so you will understand this more than most. I had yeah. to explain what was going on with Jason Greger to my family. Okay. And and just, in general, the, the nonsense that I deal with on Twitter. I had to explain this to my family. And someone in my family straight up said to me, why do you want to work in hockey when... Yeah. Every time I hear something, it's always about people who are attacking each other. It's toxic and it seems so unwelcoming. And I'm like, this guy doesn't even watch hockey and he has a grip on it. That's that. If anything, that's more that's more effective in a perspective because that's just like an outside, like casual view. And and if that's what that person's picking up on, like it's a problem. Like Rachel, if I had that conversation with, with Jason Greger, he would treat me with a lot more respect because... The reason why is because if I'm made, if I end up in that conversation looking smarter than him, it's not that big a deal because I'm a guy and whatever. Like it's just, but if you end up looking smarter than him, you're a woman and he can't, he can't be made to be seen less, less intelligent or less, you know, important than a woman. So he's got to lash out with everything he's got. It's an insecurity thing and it's fucked up. Like it's, it's, that's not the way it should be. This is at the end of the day as well. Like this is a sport. Like this is entertainment. This is not yeah, we're like playing in the toy box right now. This is not these aren't the nuclear codes. We're not talking about a potential world war breaking out. This is this is a sport. A sport during a worldwide pandemic. So we should be we should be holding on to for dear life because it's one of the lone sources of serotonin that anyone has. Yeah. And people who are turning this into a just a toxic friggin' cesspool of of garbage. There like that is during all this, that is one of the most irresponsible 
things to do. You, you're, you're a credentialed media member. You should be driving a conversation that has to do with the team and be, you know, looping fans in and either channeling their frustration at the team or lifting them up because, you know, if the team's doing well, then lift, then lift them up and allow them something to read that excites you. You shouldn't be picking fights with people. It doesn't make we sense. Should be, this is what I take from this. We need more of Ryan Clark. Yes. And less of the hockey men. I think that's the best way to leave it. Yeah. Ryan Clark is the, a shining example of what journalism should be in mm-hmm. hockey. Right? I can't speak because hockey journalism is not the same as, like, investigative journalism. Yeah. We need more of Ryan Clark and Katie Strang. Oh, we need... If, if Katie Strang could Everybody, just be cloned. I wish Katie Strang would write a book that's just like, here is how you conduct yourself in hockey media. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? She I should would. have to, she should teach a course and it should be mandatory for everyone to take. It should be, you know, those like HR training modules yeah. that you have to do. That is what it should be for. If you want to be a PHWA member of whatever the hell it's called, you should have to take Katie Strang's course on, on ethics and journalism and how to conduct yourself. If she because wrote that book, I get it tattooed on my eyeballs. That Ryan Clark tells and that Katie Strang tells and less of this nonsense that fighting's important and whatever the other bullshit that Jason Greger and... Larry Brooks want to write about. Yeah. All right. And on that note, let's go into the Kovalev shift. Kovalev was a great shot. Scores! Alex Kovalev! Scores! It's Kovalev! Kovalev scores! All right. Now, normally it's Rachel. It's Rachel getting getting peeved. Today, it's my turn to grab the mic. And we're both angry at this, so this is great, because I complain about this yes, every you do. time I'm at your house. Every single <laughs> time you're at, you're, at my, you're at my condo, every single time. So, again, I want to clarify that this is the most, like, this is such a champagne problem, it's ridiculous. Like, this has <laughs> no... such a champagne. This doesn't considering, matter. Considering that behind the scenes, you and I both have issues that we're yeah. actually dealing with, this is the biggest first world problem that we could publicly complain about. Exactly. This doesn't matter, like, at all. It's so dumb, but it, it really annoyed me even today. So I, I live in, in, like, a I live in a condo building. Like, it's a big, it's a big condo building. It's got 50 floors. I might be moving into that building, too. <laughs> exactly. That'd be great. We'll base it like it, it'll be fantastic. We can get walkie talkies and basically talk through the walls. It'll be great. Um, the that 50 floors in a big condo building. That means there are a lot of people. And you know what a lot of people do? They either come and go or they order food and get deliveries, which means there are delivery people going up and down the elevators. There are four elevators. That's a, I would say it's a good that's a good amount for the last like week or so. One of those elevators has been working. One. And it has been any time, like, I know we're all supposed to be staying inside, which is fantastic, but I like to, you know, go on, like, I can't run because my knee's all messed up, so I like to go on walks. Yeah, I'm trying you to also need to get groceries. Exactly. But I'm trying to get, like, I'm trying to get 20,000 steps every day now just to, to try and get in there. I mean, doing it pretty well, but it kind of sucks. I've had, be- um, like, 3,000 steps today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of sucks because it straight up takes 15 minutes to get downstairs and then if i want to get in it takes even long like okay so there was this time where i texted mike and i was like i'm in the parking garage i'm on my way up and 20 minutes later he texted me like did you die yeah i was like where are you like what happened did you like fall into because i was waiting for the elevator because okay so not only do you have one elevator working it's also covid so you're only in your building you're only only allowed allowed two two people people in in the elevator at once so the thing about this is Everyone's breaking that rule now. 
because there's yeah. only one elevator working, it's like literally I'm getting it. It's like, let's just all come and or people and people are being like, yeah. And that's like because you don't want because an elevator showing up at all is like a, a, a it's a godsend because if you're on the ground floor most of the, it goes all the way up then it goes down to the ground floor and you're like great i can get on and then it's going down and it goes all down and it, it's ridiculous so now they're like it's it's like compromising health because like i was in an elevator today with like six people and i'm like this would be weird even not in a pandemic and we're in the, like thank god everyone's wearing masks but like geez so that's it yeah, feels I good feel to like be, you're yeah. building um, needs to get it's a great building it, it's literally a brand new building like there's still plastic on the elevators i'm the first person to ever live in my broken. unit i want to i want to make it very clear like i love my building i think my building's great it, it you know like it, it's it's an you know I'm, I'm very i'm very happy with it and i'm lucky to be in it but the elevators guys like figure it out like what if there's the all like the other night for example and this this might be this might be linked to it like the other night it was like midnight and i'm an old man so i'm asleep by then and the the fire alarm went off oh. for an hour and a half and there was no explanation nothing but i'm like if there is like an emergency like i know you're not supposed to take elevators but like how like how's anyone supposed to get down like what's going on here like anyone late for work this it's yeah but it feels really good to be able to complain about something that in the in the grand scheme of things does not matter at all we have, there's I no would also have one thing i'm not going to complain about it but i would just like to say okay Hit me. When you're driving, specifically at high speeds, and you realize all of a sudden that there's construction, you do not have a license to just cut into the lane and cut everybody off and and do whatever the hell you want. Like, you're the one that wasn't paying attention. Wait your turn and then merge in safely as to not cause a complete mayhem for everybody else on the road because you weren't paying attention. And also, pay attention. That should be like you should if you do that, you should lose your license. You yeah. really should. That's why I don't drive, man. This is ridiculous. I, I don't I don't need this stress in my life. But I think you need some staff and graph in your life. And unfortunately, we're going to leave you for now. But we'll be back with you on Tuesday, as we always are. Um, you can fi- you can find our podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on pretty much any podcatcher that's out there. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory, me on Twitter at MikeyStevens81, the podcast on Twitter at StaffGraph. Buy our merch on Redbubble, redbubble.com slash shop, and write us a review. It'll make us happy. Our only funny thing, since we started doing this, our only one-star review <laughs> is from a little account that seems to bear the exact same uh, moniker as Tony, uh, as Tony D's burner account. So... Tony, if you're listening, write us a review. It'll be great. We'd love to hear from you again. Um, and on that note, I think we'll leave. Rachel, do you have anything else you want to add? I'm going back to my Grinch cave. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> on that note, take care. <laughs>